was trying to figure this out. The microphone wasn't on. Just solved everything right there. Perfect. Thank you, Pastor Duck. Thank you to all of you for coming and being a part of this weekend with us. How many, this is your home church, just kind of flag me down. Fabulous. And uh, welcome also to those that are joining us from other churches. We're just glad that you're here with us. Thank you. Thank you for everybody that worked to make that breakfast happen. Wasn't that fabulous? session. It's going to be a little bit more brief. The second session is going to be just a little bit longer. I'm going to talk about Jesus, about Job and James in this session, and then Job and Jesus in our second session. And then tomorrow, Job the worshiper. <clears throat> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege of being together in this way. And Lord, even as the prayer has already been expressed, where two or three are gathered, you are there. We celebrate your presence, Jesus. We love that everybody's here, but we love that you're here with us. We honor you. We love you. And we make room for you to speak, to do what you want. Holy Spirit, this whole weekend is for you. So have your way. Speak to every person. We even want to bless right now the, the podcast and the web stream, those that are going to be watching this online or listening online. We bless every listener. In Jesus' name, amen. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament launch with the identical same theme, enduring through suffering. I think you already know the first book of the Bible that was written. You were here last night, Curtis. Curtis, you were here. You, you cheated. Okay. So, yeah, Job, the first book of the Bible written, and that's the theme of the book of Job, enduring in faith through suffering. Somebody goes, yeah, but Job had a bad attitude. If what happened to him had happened to you, you'd have a bad attitude too. He's the only man in the book who talks to God. Everybody else in the book talks about God. He's the only one who talks to God. Now, Satan doesn't want you taking your complaint to God. He wants you taking your complaint to your friends and complaining to people about God. God doesn't really take too kindly to that. He 
he's like, hey, if you got a problem, talk to me about it. It's important to learn how to complain right. Because if you complain right, he puts it in the Bible. If you complain wrong, he kills you. <laughs> so you want to learn how to complain right. I'm going to tell you, bud, how to complain right. To his face. Take your complaint straight to him and talk to him about that's what Job does. He just goes straight to God and talks to God about his stuff. And God's like, you know what? If you'll bring it to me, I'll work it out with you. Just don't take your stuff and talk to other people about it. So get in his face and he will work it out. So Job is the first book of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit launches scripture on the theme, enduring in faith through suffering. The New Testament, it so happens, launches with the exact same theme. Can, can anybody guess what the first book of the New Testament was? Which book of the New Testament was first put on paper? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Matthew. Yeah, it was James. The book of, yeah, I kind of gave it away already, didn't I? Yeah. The first book of the New Testament put on paper from James. Listen to what the Holy Spirit said right out of the gate to the New Testament church. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Couldn't we have started the New Testament on a different note? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God wants this theme, enduring in faith through suffering. He wants it in the very foundations of your life. He put it into the foundations of the Old Testament. He put it into the foundations of the New Testament. And if you want a solid foundation in your life, get this one in your foundation. If you have a different foundation, scrap it and build a new one. Enduring in faith through suffering. Now for me, James 1 verse 2 is the toughest verse in the whole Bible. If you can do James 1 verse 2, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> I'm just like, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I'm going to be honest, though. I'm still working on this verse. I'm still asking God to give it to me because this is the big one. Okay, let me break it down for you. Count it all joy when you're born with spina bifida. Count it all joy when your child is born with Down syndrome. 
Count it all joy when your spouse comes down with cancer. Count it all joy when your child is in a car accident and hanging on for life. Count it all joy when you lose your job and your house goes into foreclosure. Count it all joy when your spouse divorces you. Count it all joy when your daughter gets pregnant out of wedlock. Count it all joy when you have a heart attack. Count it all joy when you have a bad surgery that leaves you in screaming pain. I don't get the verse. How am I supposed to count these things all joy? If the verse had said, Count it all depression, I was there. <laughs> but it says, count it all joy. And that's my problem. I don't have any joy. I'm just depressed right now. And the scripture is telling me, count it all joy. I'm telling you, Curtis, if you can do this one, it's all downhill from here. So I've been asking the Lord for years to give me this verse. How do you count the trials and tragedies of life? Joy. I think the answer is in verse 3. Knowing. You've got to know something. You've got to know. The, there's a, 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 it's in Isaiah 53. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Jesus did the cross through knowledge. He knew something. That's how he pulled it off. He knew his father's heart. He knew Satan's agenda. He knew man's fickle nature. And Jesus, through his knowledge, was able to endure the cross and procure our salvation. If you're going to count the trials of life joy, you've got to know something, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance is the pearl. It's the jewel of our passage. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of endurance based upon James 1 verse 3. Here's the Bob Sorky definition of endurance. Faith sustained over time in the midst of pain. When you sustain your faith in God over time through pain, I believe that is biblical endurance. Staying in faith long term has been the fight of my life. How many remember that scripture that talks about the good fight of faith? It's a fight, but it's a good fight. And I have been warring and battling and fighting for nearly 27 years now to stay in faith, to hold 
hold on to promise because his promises are exceedingly great and precious. And there is a battle on when you're in your trial. There's a fight to hold on to promise and to stay in faith. It is the battle of my life, but it's a good fight, and I'm in it to the end. And James calls it endurance. Only endurance finishes a race. Only endurance wins a prize. I'm not talking about coping right now. There is a difference between coping and endurance. Coping is a human quality. Endurance is a spiritual quality. God has not called us to cope. Now, God has put into the human soul the ability to cope. He's given us a resilience just in our human frame so that people in the world have been gifted by God with the ability to cope with the with the hardships of life. And so people in the world will cope. It's a kindness of God. But it's actually not a spiritual grace. The grace is to endure in faith in your trial. The world copes because they have no promise. We endure because we have the promises of God by faith. Coping tries to numb itself to the pain in order to survive. But endurance is willing to feel the pain because the pain actually drives us into the face of God. Coping resigns itself to nothing ever changing. Endurance lays hold of the promises of God and believes that God changes everything. Coping looks for relief. Endurance looks for salvation. I'm not looking for a little bit of relief in my trial. I'm looking for God to come through with a glorious salvation. So I'm holding to his promise and to his word. So I call James 1 verse 2 the toughest verse in the Bible. Holding to joy counting it all joy in the midst of trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Verse 4, but let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I call verse 4 the fattest promise in the Bible. I don't think you're going to find a bigger promise than verse 4. To be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Endurance has the power to make you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I mean, whoever was perfect and complete, lacking nothing, who do we look to as 
as an example. Well, if you want to find somebody who is perfect and complete, lacking nothing, look at the guy who goes, oh, you don't have wine for your party? Just fill the, the jugs with water and I'll just turn them into wine and now you've got wine for your wedding. You don't have enough bread for the multitude? Give me your bread and we'll just break it up here and we'll feed 5,000 people. And if you got a storm, well, you just stand up and you just say, be silent and the storm, storm just stops. And if you need temple tax, you just send a guy down to the lake. He puts a hook in the lake, pulls up the first fish and pulls the temple tax out of the fish's mouth. And if the girl is dead, you just raise her to life. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Endurance has the power to make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is no greater power in the Christian life than endurance. What endurance is promising to do in us right here. There is no substitute. There is no other way to it. How are you going to become perfect and complete, lacking nothing? I don't know another pathway to this other than faith that endures long term in the midst of a trial. Just like Job. Lacking nothing in humility. Lacking nothing in understanding. Lacking nothing in the gifts of the Spirit. Lacking nothing in faith. Lacking nothing in wisdom. Lacking nothing in servanthood. Lacking nothing in compassion. Lacking nothing in righteousness. Lacking nothing in holiness. Think about it. What this verse is promising us. James 1 verse 4. Think about it, Lynn. He is promising us that if we will endure in this trial, we will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's available to us. When I saw James 1 verse 4, guess what happened? Joy. This thing is going somewhere. He is using this trial to bring me into the very image of Jesus Christ. He is using this trial, as horrible as it is, to conform me to Christ. I am being made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And when I saw the promise of verse 4, I realized he put the toughest verse in the Bible right next to the fattest promise in the Bible. So I've been enduring in this trial now for almost 27 years. He's promised to heal me. I'm holding you to your promise. And I'm just announcing in Manchester, Connecticut, you are the Lord, my healer. I'm saying it. You are good to your word. And I'm going to hold to it. And I'm, I'm going to stay in this fight of faith and never let go. And I am after James 1, verse 4, perfect and 
be honest with you, I have felt like I've been on God's accelerated track. How many have ever felt that when you're in a real fiery furnace that he's just accelerating stuff in your life and you're, you're just watching him change you? And So I've been in this. Um, I'm like, I mean, when you see yourself changing, it's a little bit scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking in the mirror. He is changing me before my eyes. So I've been on this accelerated curve of God working in my life for 26 years. And I'm looking at the at the at the curve, okay? I'm, I'm just looking at the growth rate, and I'm like, if I continue to change at this same accelerated rate, I will attain to perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I will get there in about four hundred sixteen years. And I got depressed all over again. I am never going to get there. And then I realized this verse is actually a promise. It's a promise that God is going to interrupt your trajectory and get you where you could never get on your own. Beloved, we serve a God who will come along in the middle of your trajectory and will suddenly answer, will suddenly intervene, and will take you where you could never get on your own. We're not coping, we're enduring because we serve the God of the universe. There's only one book in the in the New Testament that mentions Job. Can anybody guess? The book of James. It's the only book in the New Testament that mentions Job. It's chapter 5, verse 10. Let's just go ahead and go there. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. There's that endure word again. We count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. I love this verse because it actually interprets the whole book of Job. You've got to see Job through the lens of James 5, verse 11. And I'm just going to say it. God has an intended end for your trial. He is not a circular God that just has you going in circles round and round until the day you die. He has a destination in view for you, and your trial is going somewhere, and I'm just, I will never back off from this. God answers prayer. God does miracles. God intervenes on our behalf. He did it with Job. And listen, 
I am contending for a story of biblical proportions. And if you're going to get your story in the Bible, it has to come to the intended end. Now, not everyone ends up attaining to that. But if it's going to get in the Bible, it has to have God's intended end on it. That's why the book of Job is in the Bible. And I want a story of biblical proportion. So I am enduring in this trial, holding on to faith until I attain his intended end in my trial. And I'm, just, I'm not trying to make it about me today. I just I'm wanting to encourage you in your walk and in your journey and in the trial that God's got you in. So the message of this book, there are some people, and maybe you've heard this, there are some people that say the message of the book of Job is God's ways are beyond understanding. We can't know what he's doing. And so you just have to relinquish the idea of comprehending what's going on in your life and just kind of you know, uh, dig in for the storm and learn to cope with whatever comes down the pike. And that's the, like how we view the book of Job. And I'm going, that is not the book of Job. The book of Job is God unfolding understanding to his friend. The whole, the whole message of the book is Job came away understanding God's purpose, seeing what God was doing, and attaining to God's intended end. One of the questions I have about the book of Job, maybe you know the answer to this, Doug, because I do not know the answer. When the book opens, you know, Job says, well, Satan comes before God, and they have this dialogue, and Job sees the court of heaven. He sees the whole thing coming down. When did he see that? The book doesn't tell us. Somewhere in the whole storyline, Job is caught up and he sees what took place. I think God was like Job, my friend. I just can't keep it to myself. I'm just going to, I got to tell you, here's what really happened. And God confides the secret to his friend. The whole point of the book is Job comes through with understanding and he comes through to God's intended end. And I'm going to say it unapologetically. God intends for us to uncover his purposes in the trials of life. I don't think he means for us just to, oh, it's just all a big mystery and you just have to trust him when you don't know. Yes, you do need to trust him when you don't know. But his intention is that you go after understanding. Go after his purpose because he has an intended end for your trial. Never let go until he opens it up to you. God has an intended end. Somebody says, well, I don't think we should 
ask God why. I am not in that theological camp. I'm like, if Jesus can ask why, so can I. In fact, I think it's essential that we ask the why question. God, why is this happening? Don't take that question away from me because it's the pursuit of purpose. I want to know what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What are you planning? What's in your heart? You said that you're not, that you have only good plans in your heart for me. Well, that sure doesn't look very good. What are you thinking right now? And I'm going after his heart. I want to know his purpose. And I think that this is what James means when he says God has an intended hand. God wants to bring you through to a destination. Yes, there is, there is journey. Yes, there is process. But there is also in God an intended end. It's going somewhere. Have you ever met people in the body of Christ that are process people? And they're just like, the process is the point. It's just all about the process. So if you stay in the process, praise God, that's the whole point. I appreciate the process. But there's more to it than just process. There's more to it than just journey. There is also a destination. There's an intended end. You throw your kids in the car and you take them to Disney and you drive down to Orlando and when you get there, you turn around and say, now we're going home. And your kids go, but I thought we came to Disney. And you're like, it's all about the journey. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's journey and destination. This thing is going somewhere. Let me use some different language. It's not just about the cross. It's also about the resurrection. Not only will you identify with his cross, you will also identify with his resurrection. God has an intended end. And the intended end for Job, we closed with it last night. Let me just say it one more time. Here's how God wanted to finish the story. Gave him ten more children who were stunning in beauty and in character. Gave him double his wealth. Healed him. That's an important part of the story. If you want to get in the Bible, Job, healing has to be part of the story. He has changed. He's given the first book of the Bible. He's given an spiritual inheritance in every generation, and he's caught up and sees the glory of God, sees the throne room, sees the whole panorama. Just, it's a stunning redemption story. And God has an intended end. So I love James 5.11 that opens for us God's perspective on Job. Let me just close with this. The Bible has encouraged me in my journey. I can't tell you how many times when depression has been has been on me. I actually, 
I, I battled, uh, Doug, I battled a, a depression for 15 years when this happened. I just didn't really know how do I identify it, but I look back on it. Yeah, that was a 15-year depression. Okay, so I'm, I'm fighting the fight of faith. I'm every day trying to breathe. And when this thing was on me, the only thing that would encourage me would be a word from God, something in the scriptures. The scriptures are always encouraging, always life-giving. Aren't you glad that when you're discouraged, you come to the word of God and it's something lifts your heart? Always encouraging. But I'm going to share with you the one verse in the Bible that depressed me. Okay. Get ready for it. Here comes Jane, okay? Here's the verse that depressed me. It's in the book of James. Come back to chapter 1. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When I read that passage, I was in a depression. I'm fighting to breathe, and I'm looking to the Word to come out somehow, give me some strength and some life. And I come to this verse, and it says, I'm a double-minded man. I'm unstable in all my ways, and I'm never going to get anything from God. Because when you're in a depression, you feel like a wave of the sea. You just feel like you're being blown about because the winds are just blowing through your soul. And so here I am with the winds. Just, I'm, in a, I'm in this gale wind storm blown around. And now the Bible is telling me I'm a double-minded man. I'm unstable in all my ways. And I'm never going to get anything from God. I was depressed before I read the Bible. Now I'm really depressed. And so I'm like, okay, God, you got to talk to me right here because I, I'm about to give up. Am I the person you're talking about here? Am I a double-minded man? And I felt like the Lord spoke this to my heart. Bob, you're not double-minded because you have set your eyes on me only. I'm your only help. I'm your only salvation. I'm your only source. I'm your only hope. You've put your eyes on me. You are not the double-minded man of this verse. And then I felt like the Lord spoke this to me. In the storm, you can be a wave or you can be a boat. Because a wave is tossed about by the winds. Or you can be a boat. We're not too far from the ocean here. Has anybody here ever watched sailboats in the ocean? If you've ever seen a sailboat in the ocean, how many have ever seen a sailboat that's been over like this? Like the sail is way over, and you're like, Man, they're almost in the water. What is going on with that? I'll tell you why. The, the sail is way over like this. They are trying to go into the wind. If you're going to sail into the 
have to go like this with your sail so that you can harness the power of the wind coming against you. And if you can capture the power of the wind coming against you, you can actually go into the very storm that's coming against you. Now, you can't do it straight on. You have to zigzag your way like this. But that's how they go into, you can actually harness the power of contrary winds and go into the very storm coming against you. And that's what the Lord gave me. He said, harness the power of the winds of depression and use them to go into the very storm coming against you. And so that's what I've done. When I get depressed, I go after God. When I get depressed, I go into his word. And when I get into a strong depression, I come after him. That's it. Everything out of my way. Can't, sorry, can't come to your party. I'm trying to stay in faith. Sorry, I can't read that. Don't have time for that. I'm trying to stay in faith. And I will come after God with everything in my soul, using the power that, that the storm coming against me to drive into that very storm and endure in faith. So let me just pray for you. I want to pray for anyone in the room that understands depression, fights with depression. Depression is a beast that has many heads, many causes. I'm just, I've had my own struggle with it. I want to pray for anyone in the room that has wrestled with this beast of depression because I understand it wants to snuff out our hope. It wants to snuff out our joy. But there is... I believe in the grace of God. We count it all joy. There is a grace to receive from him to find purpose in the midst of pain and trials to harness that the strength of those winds and to come after God until he speaks purpose because he has an intended for your trial. I'm speaking to somebody right now in the Holy Spirit. God has not brought you into this trial for this trial to be the last chapter of your story. He has brought you into this trial to train your spirit, to strengthen you through endurance so that you might come through perfect and complete, lacking nothing, an overcomer. He wants to bring you to your intended end. And so now I'm just going to pray a prayer for everyone that that perhaps is struggling with depression. And if you connect with this prayer, you're welcome to lift a hand to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just now bless every person in this room that has an understanding personally of battling with depression. And I pray now for my brothers and sisters that there would come strength to endure. I'm asking, Lord, for strength in the Holy Spirit, not simply to cope with the circumstances of life, but to endure in faith through
suffering until we are made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Or some of the best way identify with the depression that Job experienced. We understand how the enemy brings the winds of depression against us. And I'm asking, Lord, that there would be a grace for every believer to come after you in the trial, to find your purpose, to discover what you see, to never relent or give up until we lay hold of understanding and purpose in the Holy Spirit. Bring your saints through to their intended end. And one more time, I'm asking, Lord, make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Give us the fattest promise in the Bible, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's the book of Job through the lens of James. Second session, Job and Jesus. God bless you.